Hey everybody, uh, Josh Sheridan here with the Barely Legal Podcast. On a special edition of the show, uh, this was kind of a spur of the moment thing. Uh, I was having a number of conversations with people about the uh, House bill that uh, has been in the news uh People are calling it the uh, don't say gay bill. That's not what it's actually called. It's House Bill 1557 called the Parental Rights and Education Bill. Uh, And I think most of the media attention uh, relates to uh, a provision in that bill or a suggested provision in that bill that says, and if I can find it here quickly, let me see here. prohibits classroom discussion about sexual orientation or gender identity in certain grade levels. So it's one sentence with a whole lot of meat on the bone as far as unpacking it. Uh, And so I was having a conversation this morning with a friend of mine and uh, he, he, you know, he was asking me questions. I'm adept enough to know when the questions being asked are leading me down a path and uh you know but so i have some questions that range from very kind of naive and rudimentary hopefully to high level progressive nuanced and empathetic but um you know some of the opinions i'm going to ask you are going to directly relate to your background and experience and some may just be your opinion as a citizen of the state of Florida. So to the extent you would want to answer or not answer, that's fine. So real quick, just before I go too far down that path, you've been on the show before, so I'm not going to go back through your your accolades and your experience, but this is Dr. Joseph Satterley, who I have known for probably close to 20 years. Uh, you have been on the radio. You've been in some pretty high-end litigation uh, in the family law sector, the criminal sector, dealing with you know, the best interest of the children and any other things related to the, the family experience, whether it's parents, kids, so on, so forth, et cetera. Um, so uh, thank you for coming on the show. Very welcome. Glad to be All right. So, uh, you know, I, I was having a conversation with a gay friend of mine, uh, actually, just a couple minutes ago. And, and one of the things we were saying is how how much of a problem is this really that we need to be legislating it? So what I, what I, I, I guess, I mean, is this a big issue that in your experience or your understanding, your opinion, where schools are really talking to kids a lot about being gay or transgendered? I, again, I've been out of the classroom for a long time, but I did talk to my wife, who's a teacher. And, you know, there is apparently a lot of literature K through three of, of being inclusive about, you know, hey, my my next door neighbor has two fathers as dads. And so there's some literature out there. I've never heard of any school having any curriculum that is directly focused on gender issues or or sexuality in any way. I mean, at I least mean, there's phys ed, of course, anyway. obviously, but I mean, I would imagine in this day and age, most schools will steer clear of discussing that any more than they absolutely have to for this very specific reason. Um, you know, my, both my parents were school teachers too. And I don't know if your wife would agree, but one of the worst parts of teaching school are the parents. 
Yep. Um, it's just, you can never appease them. You can never satisfy them. You know, you're a hero to this one and the devil to that one. And it's just, there's, there, it's a thankless job where you are always being scrutinized. So my, my assumption would be that there's probably not a ton of teachers out there that are really kind of touching that topic too, too much. I, I mean, again, it's, but here's the problem. You can't even discuss it in class. And, and what you're doing, I, I assume, is creating fear in teachers when it really shouldn't be there. Well, and, and it's, you know, I, I thought of this, and this may be an awful analogy, but I, you know, we've have, you know, we've traveled to France and Italy. My wife's family is Italian and, you know, wine or, or alcohol is not the taboo there that it is here in the United States. And whether, whether causation, correlation or anything else, the incidence of alcoholism is not as great in these countries either. So uh, I, I wonder, you know, if you're making too big of an issue about recognizing something or talking about something, in, in a way, I feel like you're, you're imbuing it with some sense of evil or some sense of, you know, danger that it just doesn't have, you know. We're, we're isolating a group of citizens in our population that you can't discuss. And, and that just ostracizes them. I mean, that's, that's not inclusivity, that's exclusivity. And to think that you have to pass legislation that teachers can't talk about everyday normal things. I mean, I, 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 I'm, I'm guessing that this has been fueled by a bunch of parents who are afraid. And, and fear is a huge motivator. I'm, I just think that what they fear is, is way outside any sort of normal thinking. Well, this, this, so that, that spurs a couple of things. And because I didn't plan this one out as far as I normally do, I may be a little bit more scattered. So I want to talk to you about Dr. Jordan Peterson. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Uh, no, no. Well, he's very much a hero of the, uh, the right, very much hero of conservative culture. He's on Joe Rogan a lot. He's a, a professor of psychology, I believe, up in Toronto. And he became very popular because uh, the schools up there were, I don't know if they sent out a teacher handbook or there was something about, here's the pronouns that we're going to use to uh, be inclusive of our students. And it was he, him, she, her, them, they, and some other things. And he went down this whole road of, Alexander Solzhenitsyn and how once the government controls language, then, you know, we're, we're just a stone's throw from, you know, authoritarian rule and these other things. And it's interesting because he's saying, you're not going to tell me what to say, but here we are them telling us what not to say. And it seems like it's kind of the same thing, you know, okay, you can't tell me what to say, but you can't really tell me what not to say. I mean, obviously if it's hatred, if it's hate speech, if it's dangerous, and maybe that's kind of their angle is they want to say that it's dangerous, which kind of gets to the meat of what we're talking about here. But well, it's I mean, it, 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 here's the difference. It's partly whether we're going to focus on specific speech or whether we're going to focus on some area that you're not allowed to talk about. Those are two completely different things. The government regulates what we can say on the public airways. There are seven words you can't use, or you're going to have Carl a big and time. I had that album when I was growing up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and so 
we're not talking about just using some words here. We're talking about an entire area of a group of people that we can't discuss. We can't even discuss them. And that just, that's, that's dangerous. Well, so let me get into deeper waters with you. And, and this is something that I'm truly asking you. And maybe it'll, maybe it'll cast a light on how progressive I'm not or how whatever <laughs> I'm not. But my feeling, and I can't back this up with science because I'm not a scientist, is that a person who is gay does not decide that they're gay. Correct. Uh, would you, uh, you know, based on your experience or you're not, I mean, is this a psychological thing? Is this, I mean, how would you, how would you describe it? Well, until 1973, the American Psychological Association considered homosexuality to be a disease. Okay. And it's not. People are born this way. People are born to certain uh, proclivities of what they like and what they don't like. Okay. Here's a question I'm going to ask you, Josh. When was the first time that you knew that you were a heterosexual? Do you ever remember? I know. I'm trying to decide if it was Daisy Duke or Stevie Nicks. I mean, it was. Let me me ask you. Wait, wait. Let me (laughs) ask you about childhood. Were you ever attracted to girls when you were a little boy? Did you ever pull some girl's pigtails on the school ground? I mean, I'm sure I did. I can't remember a specific. That is when you decided or you knew that you were a heterosexual, but it didn't, but it didn't occur to you because you're part of the mainstream. If you ask gay people, when did you know you were gay? They're going to say, I knew it from the very beginning. I knew it when I was four or five years old because they knew that they were attracted to the same gender rather than you and I that were attracted to different people, but that was the mainstream. And so it's, it's truly not something that you become. It's something that you are. But don't, so my read on part of this is there is a fear that these schools are, I mean, just really kind of lay it out or making kids gay or something like that. That's I mean, they're, it's, afraid of. They're, yeah. they're afraid of them being exposed because what if my kid turns gay? Well, if they're not gay now, they're not going to be gay just because they've been exposed to it. I mean, that's right. like saying, well, if I expose my children to knowledge about harmful drugs, they're going to run out and start doing them. Doing coke, yeah. But. <laughs> yeah, and this is completely different. I mean, sure. you know, it's, it's, you know, there are addicts who have a proclivity to use drugs, but it's, it's the best thing that we can do is teach children about the world. And that includes everything. Well, and you said something earlier, you know, uh, you know, some, some kids in the class may have two daddies, may have two mommies, and you're creating this vacuum that is just right for bigger problems than, and, and not only that, but why can't I talk about daddy and daddy to my teacher? I mean, right. I mean what, I what happened? mommy and mommy to my teacher. Right. If you're teaching a class and God only knows what you're teaching and little Johnny in the back row says, uh, you know, uh, why does, you know, my friend over here, why does he have two dads? I have a dad and a mom, but he's got two dads. What is a teacher then to do? It's in the middle of, it's in the middle of class. Uh, you know, if the law says you can't discuss it, what do you do? I mean, yeah. I, 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 I wouldn't. Question, please. <laughs> yeah. it's like, no, okay. Yeah. Recess. yeah. Yeah. So, um, well, so that, that was it. Now it's hard because while there may be, you know, the, 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 the phrase or the idea of experimenting or finding out who you are, maybe some people are 
bisexual or, 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 you know, maybe some people aren't clear on it to the extent, you know, one of the, one of the words that was coming up in the conversation that I had was uh, influence. So what influence is the school having on these kids? And, you know, it's funny if you have a kid, if your school that your kid is going to could influence them to do anything at all, that's pretty impressive because, you know, they can't influence them to study. They can't influence them to get to school on time or to eat a salad at lunch or to whatever else. So all of a sudden now they're being very effective and influencing uh, lifestyle changes for these children. Well, again, it's, again, it's, it's the, it's the issue here is the message that's being sent. Okay. And it's a subtle one, but children are very perceptive. Okay. So the message being sent is one that's not being sent, which means we're going to avoid all this. Well, why are we avoiding it? And that's going to create an awful lot of curiosity. You know, I've never had any, any client or anybody I knew say, I was influenced to be gay. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's just, or I was gay because I was exposed to gay pornography or anything like that. It, it's either you're kind of attracted to it or you're not, or you're somewhere in between. And if you're somewhere in between, yeah, you're most likely going to experiment just like everybody does in the world. I mean, that's that's how we grow. That's how we learn. We experiment. Well, and before I go on too much longer, at least let me recognize we have two heterosexual men talking about gay people and transgendered people in a minute. And so I recognize that this is just somebody that I wanted to talk to about this. I'm sure there's other experiences in life that would have something of value to add people who maybe are in the opposition, who may have a point of view that is of value. And so please at least understand that I, I, by no means do I gloss over the fact that this is not the entire conversation being had between two people. But um, the other part of it, for sexual males points of view, right, right. <laughs> Which everybody's just clamoring to hear for anymore. Um, two white guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, well, the other part about it is, and, and again, I, I not being gay, but having gay friends and, 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 you know, talking to them about this because I do, I do use them as a resource because I want to know, you know, I want to know these things. Um, you know, as I understand it, you know, coming out today is not the thing it was 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. It's gotten easier as time has progressed, although there's probably a lot more room for it to happen. Uh, you know, we're in a somewhat of a better place now than we had been, but I just worry about what impact legislation like this will have on our kids who, you know, may be coming to terms with the fact they're gay. And now the government, the school, like it's, am I the boogeyman? Is there something wrong with me? And, you know, with such an incidence of, you know, bullying and harassment on social media and child, you know, suicide and self-harm and using drugs, uh, you know, to kind of as coping mechanisms for these things. I just, I just feel like the, the, the harm of this far outweighs any, any, any value that I just don't even see could come from it at all. But if there is some, I just think the harm is way greater. Estimated that there were over 700,000 suicide attempts last year in the LBGQ community. 700,000. Um, it's, it's, we have to be inclusive in today's society. I wonder what that is as far as a ratio to the, to the group on, on, on a whole. Yeah, it, it, it really hard to know. I mean, yeah. if I went back and looked at the statistics, they broke it all down. Sure. Um, in fact, what they broke it down was, you know, there's one of these people who tries to commit suicide every 45 seconds. And it's like, okay, well, I'm just going to tell you over 700,000 for the year. Yeah. Uh, and those are all reported. Right. 
So it's and, and here's part of what I understand about the legislation is that if a child even hints to somebody at school that they are gay or have identity issue, I mean, gender identity issues or anything like that, the school has to mandatorily report that to the parent within six weeks. And and how do you know, you're not going to let your children explore things with with trained professionals any longer that we're going to out them. This is this is this is it's, again, there's no definitions here. It's just mm-hmm. a bunch of general legislation intended to drive an agenda. As far as I'm concerned, I, I you know, I, I made a joke on a, on a Facebook about, does anybody know a hardware store where I can buy a saber rattle, a, a dog whistle and a false flag. And, <laughs> and you know, I, I just think it's, it's, it's a, it's a rallying cry to a certain vote base. And it's funny because, and you don't have to con- comment on this if you don't want to. I'm just going to filibuster for a second. But you've got this guy who went to an Ivy League school. He grew up, he, He's from Jacksonville, but since the age of six, grew up in Dunedin. He was in JAG Corps and was legal counsel to the Navy SEALs. And so he checks off all these boxes. And, I, you know, I don't know this person, and, but I know people who've gone to Ivy League schools. I know people in the military. And those metrics in and of themselves don't a genius make not arguing that he is or he isn't one i'm sure he's smarter than i am and that's fine but the fact that he is smarter than i am or or very likely smarter than i am speaks to why is he doing this you know why is it that he's doing all these things and i just think it's that it's these buttons that can be pushed to ascend in the political arena and this is such an easy one to get a large swath of the community riled up about and I think that's that is more why this is even being put up for a vote or for signature than that it, this is actually a problem that's happening in our schools. Well, I mean, again, I, I don't know him either, but yeah. it certainly has attracted a phenomenal amount of, of press. I mean, national press, not just Floridian. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if you want to run for the president of the United States, you're and and you have some really strong beliefs within your political party, yeah, you're, if you can, you're going to accentuate those as much as possible. And, and if that's indeed, I mean, yeah, some of this I think is political. Some of it I think that he probably believes uh, or believes in. Uh, so the other part of this, uh, it talks about sexual orientation, but then it also talks about gender identity. So I think those things are often discussed in the same sentence, but they're they're different things. Um, would you agree? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Okay. So, uh, you know, in, in having this conversation uh, today, uh, some of the some of the questions that were asked me were, uh, let me just get there, uh, and they seem very simple, but let me see here if I can read it. Is the, well, the first question is: Is there more than two genders? Now, this is one of those breadcrumb questions that very simple to ask, very difficult to answer. So, if we're saying how many different types of genitalia can someone be born with, I would agree that you, in the absence of a birth defect, it's either a vagina or a penis. So we can we can at least agree on that. Yeah. Yes. Now, is that your gender? But, or is but that your anatomy? What, yeah. what, if, what if you're born as a hermaphrodite and you have both? Well, this is the point. Of, yeah, I don't know if that's a birth defect. Or just I, I, I had a person in, in, in therapy for many years, an older person um, who truly believed that the gender identity 
that they were given at birth was the wrong one. Okay. And later in life, change back to what they believed was truly their intended biological um, gender. Right. And they were very happy um, because they thought that surgeons at birth had made a very large mistake. Uh, so, you know, are there two genders? I, I, I guess so. Um, but there's a whole lot of stuff in between because we have to get away from this binary approach because there are people who do not believe that they really fit into a male category and they also don't feel like they fit into a female category. And so I think we have to kind of get rid of the word gender um, and just say, I don't know the general term, but are there, there's people who are male, very male, and there are women who are very women-y or female. And there's, there's a fair number of people all the way in between there. Yeah, there's a, yeah, I love, I love talking about spectrums because, you know, in, in my own therapy, which I'm very vocal about on this show, you know, one of the things that we talk about is narcissism, you know, in, in family law, the word narcissist, if, if I got a dime every time I heard that word, I'd be a squillionaire. Um, and, you know, we talk about, well, narcissism is spectrum. There's healthy narcissism. There's unhealthy narcissism. There's a whole kind of, you know, but but this is the problem with a lot of these questions is they're 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 fallacies logically, at least of either or, or black and white or. Well, that's the whole thing. It, it, it's people who want things to be black and white. And yeah. The world just isn't that way. The world is shades of gray. And it's the people who who have anxiety about the world not being black and white. That's where some of the larger issues, I believe, are birthed. Sure. Uh, they, because they have so much anxiety that it's not this way or that. They can't deal with the ambiguity. Well, it's true. Uh, you know, extremes are much easier to ascribe to than moderate, you know, positions, because it takes a little bit of keeping your, your eye on the road and your hand on the wheel to be, you know, kind of dealing with things as they come up rather than just say, well, I'm all the way this, or I'm all the way that or whatever else. How has the psychological community uh, dealt with uh, gender over the course of your career? I mean, you mentioned earlier about how they saw I mean, yeah. they're only, you know, they're only in the last year uh, putting out um, recommendations about how we're going to use pronouns. OK, it's it's, you know, groups and organizations move slowly. The field as a whole, I think, again, you know, if we break it into three parts, I think one third of my you know, mental health people are very embracing of this. There's a third that are like, mm, okay. And then there's a third that are absolutely against it. I, I sit on some discussion boards and there was a guy that says, hey, I'm going to use the old pronouns that I use because I'm old and I'm set in my ways and that's what I'm going to do. And that, I find that horribly disrespectful. Um, well, it's an interesting, it's an interesting question because, and this is something that comes up is, is one person's decision. Well, there I go. One person's, one person, it's not a, one person's, how, how would I, how would I express it? One, what's that? Perspective? Well, one person's perspective requiring the other person to respect it. And I guess it's no different than religion or some other things, but, you know, we, to, we, there's somewhat of a social contract that to the extent that we're not doing harm to somebody else, that you kind of respect my ability to do, you know, 
pray to who I want to pray to be called what I want to be called and that sort of thing. Because if we, if we can't do that, then I guess the order kind of, I mean, here's what my mother taught me when I was very young. She taught me the golden rule. She said, treat other people as you want them to treat you. And, and truly that's, that's, if we all did that, we'd be in a much better place. Sure. And well, it's just, you know, why, why disrespect somebody because you're stubborn and you're stuck in your ways and you choose not to try to understand. Right. That's what this is all about. People do not try to understand. They say, nope, it's too, it's too foreign for me and it doesn't fit in in my black and white perspective. So I, it, it has to be bad, therefore. So uh, gender identity, uh, you know, we, we talked about whether, you know, being gay is a choice. What's your feeling uh, in that regard to gender identity? Same I, I, again, we're, I, I truly believe that we are born towards one perspective. OK, um, you know, then people, well, God doesn't make mistakes. Well, that, that's not the issue here. OK, people will There's tell God, you. But that's it. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, people will tell you, I knew when I was five years old yeah. that I wasn't supposed to be a boy or mm -hmm. I knew I wasn't supposed to be a girl. Well, right. I think it's the same as, as sexual orientation. Okay. They are what they are. And, and if you've ever chatted with somebody who feels trapped in the wrong gender body, it's torture. It, it's just a horrible place to be. What role does childhood trauma play in, in, in kind of, these things does it at all i mean do you think that if you know a lot of times you know i so i taught at university of tampa last semester and we we kind of focused on serial killers and there was kind of this theme that most of them had some pretty severe childhood trauma that if not exclusively was the reason that they did what they did you know was a big part of it you know eileen warnos and bobby geelong and these other well bobby geelong had a head trauma which is usually the other thing that happens with these people, but uh, do, what what is the relationship there, or is there one? I've never seen any research that indicated that childhood traumas had any effect on somebody's sexual preferences or their gender orientation. It it just now, if you get a head injury and you're severely injured and you've suffered a traumatic brain injury, could you then decide that you were of a different sexual nature? I, I, yeah, I guess so. I, I haven't seen it, but sure, any brain injury like that. But the average individual knows very early in life, certainly before the third grade, whether they fit into the norm of what society has, okay? And, or, or when they don't. And when they don't, that's when we have to help them. We have to help them figure out who they are because as a society, we're just mainstream. And if you're not in the mainstream, you're, you're either wrong or you're different and we ostracize you and we make laws that we can't talk about who you are and what you are and maybe how to help you. Right. So yeah, I, this is, this, I don't believe there's any psychological influences or anything that makes somebody change genders or change sexual orientation. I just don't. And I've never seen research that would support that. And you've been doing this for a little bit. I got licensed 29 years ago and okay. I was doing it, you know, five years before that in graduate school. So I got, I got a little experience. Yeah, well, I got a little bit of, a little bit of uh, a mile or two. Yeah. 
Um, somewhat on topic, not specifically, but just since I got you here and we're kind of talking about these issues. So in your experience working uh, in, in either in your practice or in the legal, have you had the opportunity to be uh, to observe or, or be involved with uh, same sex parents of a child? Uh, never professionally. Okay. Uh, um, never professionally. Uh, Are you aware of the research or, or, or kind of the, the overall thinking of what impact, if any, same-sex parents have on a child? Yeah. Um, here, here's what we know. doesn't matter which, which sexual orientation the parents are. It doesn't seem to have an influence over the children. Okay. And I will tell you one story because I will back up because I did have an odd experience or an odd. Let me tell you what the experience was. There was a gentleman who knew that he was a homosexual and, and went through um, transformation therapy. And so he began to practice being a heterosexual. He got married. He had three children. And when the children became teenagers, he finally decided that he really wasn't a heterosexual, divorced his wife and went and began living with another man. Um, and, and absolutely said, Hey, it, 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 none of it fit. None of it felt right. When I was married, I, I tried to do the best I could. The girls still loved him. They were, they were confused by it. There was certainly some hard feelings as there is in any family where there's a divorce and any family where one parent has left the other parent and is now with somebody else, didn't necessarily leave for that reason. But I, I didn't see anything in those people that indicated to me that, that it was any worse than any other divorce. Right. Okay? There were some things to adjust to. And this was a very strong practicing Christian family. I mean, positions in the church and constant churchgoers. And, but again, biology is what biology is. Well, and, and, and that's, that's really the point, because I think all of this says more about us than it does about them. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, it, it's, it's not their problem, it's our problem, or those who have a problems with it problem. They need to look inward instead of outward. And, you know, and, and I'll tell you that that the the I'm going to talk in general terms here, but the gay community in 1973 was willing to accept the APA's sort of disease model because they could work with a disease model. You cannot work with somebody who looks at you as doing something that's immoral. Right. Okay? That's old history, but it still applies today. The majority of people think that. Let me back off of that. There are a lot of churchgoers who believe that continue to believe that homosexuality is just abhorrent. Yeah. And and that sexual orientation, therefore, is like homosexuality times 10. I mean, it's right. just not something that they're again, it's it's that black and white thinking. Sure. We gotta love them all, Josh. We gotta love them all. That's right. That's right. Well, this was a short and a sweet one. I really appreciate you because coming on and talking about it, because you know, a lot of people don't want to be on the record as it were talking about these things for, for whatever reasons, but you know me, I've got an opinion about everything. I, uh, that's why I love you. I mean, you know, I, you know, and I, I always appreciate that. I can kind of ask somebody who's got some, some ability to answer questions based on experience and knowledge and not just, 
pulling an opinion out of not just from the, not just off what is it pull it out of my pocket right 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 thank you so much dr joe i Absolutely. always appreciate have a great evening josh and uh, uh i'll talk to you soon thanks for asking me all right bye